Check Me Out is a production of Panhandle PBS and Amarillo College's FM90 and is a part of the Great American Read from PBS. Local partners include the Amarillo Public Library, the Harrington Library Consortium, and Amarillo College. With the support from Barnes & Noble Booksellers, the Corporation of Public Broadcasting, and the Anne Ray Foundation. This professor was great, and he's like, I picked this one up in an airport, <laughs> um, and I read it on the plane, and now we're going to read it in this class, because it's modern, and it's trendy, and it's kind of pop culture-y, and I loved it. I thought it was crazy. They like throw Jack the Ripper in there. There's lots of lesbian vampires. Um, it's uh, it's 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 great. Carly is like, why have I never read this? Exactly. Why have not not heard it's this? Just, book? It's like flat out entertaining. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Welcome to Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Amy Hart, and today we're going to be talking about the spookier side of books. And we're going to be talking about some of the books that are on The Great American Read, which is about to wrap up. So uh, we've got three guests with us today. Let's start over here. Tell me who you are and a little bit about yourself. I'm Carly McCutcheon. I am a um, wife and a mom and an illustrator. So I draw pictures for a living. I'm Sadie Newsom. Um, I do digital communications here at Amarillo College. I'm Brian Frank. I work for Panhandle PBS at Amarillo College and I've uh, been a longtime reader of the stuff that we're going to talk about today. And that's why we've asked all of you to be here today is because I know that you're all lovers of these kind of books. So, yes. uh, so we're going to talk about things, first of all, that are on the Great American Read list um, for, that PBS put out. Um, I th I don't know that they have necessarily horror books on this list, but they do have some, I guess, more dystopian type books. So Carly, what are the ones on the list that kind of stuck out to you? Um, the one that, I, that stuck out to me is Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. It's one of my all-time favorite books. It's a, it's a story that has lasted a hundred years. Mary Shelley was 19 when she wrote it and on a bet, which is just a really cool thing. And, you know, who knew that this little story she wrote would have such a, an impact on history? Sadie, what you got? I really feel like I'm maybe the most unqualified person to be here in this group today uh, because I, I'm really not um, a horror book type of gal, um, but I love dystopian novels. Um, those are those are my favorites. On this list, of course, 1984. It's one of my all-time favorite books. Um, I think that it's just a work of art. And um, Does it scare you? It, it definitely scares me. I think that's the thing that is a, a draw to me from for the dystopian books, they, they seem more real to me. I mean, even though you can definitely get murdered, <laughs> and you can definitely read a book about people getting murdered, just the the specter of this, you know, of society crumbling is like one of the scariest things to Well, me. and I think because it, as we've read this over the years, it becomes more truer and truer every day, I think, 1984, and that's why it's becoming scarier. And so definitely. you read it now versus 20 years ago, you're like, oh, it's like all coming true. Yes. I have a 14-year-old who is uh, interested in reading it now. Oh, good. So You're like, get uh, ready. Awesome <laughs> timeless books on, on this list. Brian, what you got? You know, hold my beer, Sadie. I, I don't know that I'm qualified <laughs> either because um, I didn't read. I mean, there's a lot on this list that I have not read, and most of the ones that I've read, I gravitate towards the 
the things that are maybe darker mm-hmm. and not necessarily horror, but but like you said, dystopian. Um, but they get into kind of the darker elements of the human psyche or the good versus evil type of thing or fighting these unspeakable dark sides of yourself. Um, and I mean, things that like sounds the, like you the stand. I was going to say it sounds like you're describing the stand. The Stand, I mean, and, and The Stand is not necessarily the book that I would, would choose as my favorite Stephen King book, but I understand why it's the one that's on this list, and it's the one that, that when people start reading Stephen King, yeah, you don't want to read The Stand right, you know, right off the bat, because it's... It's a long journey, The Stand is, but it's very worth it. I think the first one I did was Salem's Lot. I started with a short story book and then I Oh yeah. Yeah, I started with Night Shift and I still gravitate back to Night Shift because there's so many of the stories that I love. Um, but and there's a couple of his novels that I've reread. I'd have to make time to reread the stand and I know that it's been updated a couple of times. Yes. And I'd be surprised if the way that the world is now that he does not update it again. So is that your favorite? Is Night Probably Shift is my favorite. Yeah. Just, I mean, if you make me pick a favorite novel, man, um, it's not a, it's not a horror novel. I really love what he did with Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three. I agree. My favorite is Carrie, and that's his first book. But I love Carrie. That's a, such a great book, and it's so different from the movie. So you always got to read the book. And just the Don't backstory behind it, as as well, the fact that he threw it in the trash, and his wife said, "No, no, 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 no." Yes. Sadie, are you a big Stephen King fan? I have never read a Stephen King book ever in my life. Not ever. Let's give her some suggestions then. Yeah. And and for our listeners that have never read Stephen King, I did not start reading Stephen King until really late. I mean, it's only been maybe seven or eight years that I've been reading Stephen King. Yeah. So I started with Salem's Lot that someone recommended. They were like, you like vampire books? You're going to love this. And I really loved that. And then I think I naturally went to The Shining next because... I love the Kubrick movie, and and so, and same thing. The books are always different, so but, different um, with Stephen King, especially because there's so much content. So, what do you think she should start with? I would start with his short stories. Um, Night Shift is a really good one. Night Shift is good, and there are some things that are really scary, and there are some ones that are really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some just really good stories that are not horror that are just well written. There's a thing in there called The Last Rung on the Ladder that's that's just a really good adventure story that has a, a sadness at the end of it that's that's really touching. But it just and and even now I I read. Have you read the the Outsider yet? Not yet. The new no. one. It's just he's gotten to the point where it's almost effortless and mm. just a little bit of everything that's in his wheelhouse now that he does. It just seems we take it for granted. I, I've told people I live in a, a time when Paul McCartney releases new records and Stephen King writes new books, and it's just the coolest <laughs> thing in the world to be to be part of that. But um, I would I would start with the short stories, and then I don't know what. I do love a short story. I really do. I think it's it's so impressive. Like whenever somebody can get everything that they want to get across to make you feel like you just read a novel in a, a short story. I'm a big fan of this, so I'll have to. I'll have I to think check out horror one. short stories are especially good because they don't explain too much. They don't have time to explain too much, mm-hmm. and I think so much of a horror comes from our own imaginations. Yeah. And so if it's over-explained, it's really not scary anymore. I think that's why I can't read it. I, I, that's that's what I like to think. It's because my imagination is too good. Yeah. Overactive imagination. <laughs> 
anybody here? I mean, you don't. You said you don't read too much horror. No, have, but I honestly haven't really tried. Have you read anything that you had to to either stop reading or or got so scared that it stayed with you after you were done for a bit? Yes, I have two books that I've read in the last few years, and they both creeped me out. That still, if I think about them. I just get shivers. And one of them is um, Bird Box by Josh Mallerman. And that is such a scary story. It's dystopian, but it's also horror. And I won't say too much because I don't think you guys have read it. But it's about a group of people who can't open their eyes oh, because of no. a, a um, entity attacking them. And that's all I'll say. Oh, my True. gosh. Oh, wow. It is Kay. frightening. <laughs> and it will stick with you. And the other one is called A Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Trembley. And it's about a family with two daughters, teenage daughters, that the oldest one starts acting odd. And the father, they think it's psychological problems. The father finally decides that she is possessed. And they bring in a reality TV crew to film her exorcism. Oh, man. Okay. And so I love the sort of modern twist on it. Mm -hmm. And it is, there's a little twist at the end that will rock your world. Okay. Very good. Sadie? Whenever I was, I think I was in the eighth grade, um, there was a new book that was all the rage that I kept hearing about, and it was The Lovely Bones. Mm -hmm. I might be a little bit wrong on my dates there, um, but I was pretty young. I was pretty young, and I asked for it for Christmas um, because I got a book every year for Christmas. And I sat there on Christmas morning and (laughs) read about two or three chapters into The Lovely Bones and was not very much fun to be around for the rest of Christmas, I don't think. (laughs) And that's actually on the list, the Great American Read list as well. Yeah. And honestly, I think that it was a very, it was, it seemed to be well written. It was very intriguing. I had to make myself put it down, but I was like, I don't know. I was shaking, so I went ahead and put it down. But I think a lot of that was because I was very close in age to the girl who the story is about. And it seemed it hit a little too close to home, I think. But that's the only one that I've started um, that was a a scary book that I had to put down. Um, I really think that the scariest, this is a short story as well, actually. It's not scary on that level where you know you're gonna you're gonna lay awake at night thinking somebody's gonna crawl into your bedroom window. But one of my favorite scary stories of all time is the Yellow Wallpaper. It's by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. It was written in 1892. It's super old. It's actually like one of the um, first American um, feminist um, pieces, and I, I don't really know if it was meant to be a, a uh, it was meant to be but she um she writes about this woman who had been diagnosed with hysteria and um locked up in um the the old nursery in this new house that um, she and her sweet little husband had just bought and she basically i mean i'm not giving away much because it, it gets into it pretty quickly but she she basically just goes mad um, based on uh, these visions she sees in this yellow wallpaper um, and there's a, a lot of parallels to you know the 
the tone of society at the time and um, the fact that she was literally locked up in a room with bars on the windows um, because they thought that she was having too many thoughts of her own. And that one will keep me up at night. (laughs) Brian, what you got? There was a book uh, that Stephen King recommended by a guy named Scott Smith who had written A Simple Plan. He's only written two novels, but A Simple Plan got made into a movie and it was really good. The book is better. Uh, But uh, The Ruins... Yes. Which is which is really good. These these young uh, college students end up uh, in a place where they have to stay and 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 don't get to leave. Uh, for, for, I don't want to give anything away, but it's it's very well done, really good, and 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 kind of scary. And that one I couldn't quit reading, and it wasn't as scary. You know, I love Stephen King, but I hate him too. If for nothing else, the novel it. Yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the the new adaptation. It's great. Yeah, and I hear it is, and I want to, but for me, nothing will be as scary as probably the the eight or nine days that it took me to read that to read that really thick book. There was a point for about three nights where I didn't sleep because that stupid clown with the silvery hypnotizing eyes kept showing up in every dream. Wow. That I had. Ugh. That's a good one. I yeah. heard the new movie adaptation of it is hilarious. It's great. There's also. funny moments. Yes. And the, the 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 actors that they got for this one, they're fantastic. The casting was spot on. It has a real Goonies feel to me. It does. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's very adventurous. And with one of the kids but from Stranger scary. Things being yeah. in it, there's... Yeah, a great tie there. And then uh, the girl uh, that plays Bev is actually going to be in the Sharp Objects on HBO. She's going to play the young Amy Adams. Very excited about that. I am too. And that's another one we were talking about earlier before we got started was Gone Girl. I don't know if you would consider it horror, but there's some horrific things that go on in that book, I think. Very horrific. Yeah. So, um, And that's on the Great American Read list as well. That's a great book. It's so well written. I agree. It is, and and again, I'm, the things I gravitate to are are the darker elements and and things that either you can see in yourself or things that you battle against. And yeah, Gone Girl without revealing anything is just so well it's written dark. and it's and, dark. And dark. Yeah. yeah, you have to be willing to to go to that place to really enjoy it as much as you can. But that's the great thing about the books like that is that you can escape into that world and. You don't get dirty. Yourself. Yeah, that's very true. My um, one that really scared me was Chuck Palahniuk's Haunted. Which, I haven't read that, and I do like Chuck. Is, is that it's, the authors that are all? Yes. Okay. In the thing together, and you don't really know what's stories and what's not, and it's blurring a lot of lines. And it, yeah, there's a lot of disturbing, awful things in that book, and I'll leave it at that. So. You know, a lot of Chuck Palahniuk stuff is actually pretty disturbing. I really hadn't thought about including him into this little category in my mind. But, I mean, have y'all read Rant? I have not. not. Oh, my gosh, read Rant. It is, I mean, it is a sketchy as hell book. But, (laughs) like, I mean, there's, like, time-traveling patricide and somebody addicted to, like, snake bites and we i mean it, oh, it is bizarre world. sounds amazing <laughs> it's bizarro but it's it's one of my favorites haunted made me feel dirty 
I agree. After I read yes. it, I felt dirty, and it stuck with me as well, but it was a dirty, in my guts feeling. Yeah, because Speaking I think of it's, guts, it's kind of like, yes. The and it's short the, story, the guts, guts. Yes. And I think it's one of those books that you're like, I hope nobody sees me out at Starbucks reading this book, because they're going to have a lot of questions for me, you know, and yes, it stuck with me in a bad way. And it's like, kind of when you watch a movie, and you're like, well, I can't unsee that. Well, I can't unread that. And that's that book for me. I haven't sure. read any more of his books since then. I've read because, Fight Club. Just because that, it grossed me out. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, it takes a lot to gross me out because I, I read a lot of horror. I watch a lot of horror. But that one just... Yeah, it went to the next level. It really, he really took it there. He took it far. That's, I think, his specialty. Um, have you all read Invisible Monsters? No. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you got to read Invisible Monsters too. That one is another one that like, it really actually, it kind of is kind of scary. It's it's not scary at first. The first half of the book, um, it's funny and weird and gross and uncomfortable and um, all of these things, but then it kind of shifts and you find out something about somebody that just blows your mind and um, it it takes a turn and you start to think about the way your whole world around you is structured and the scary thing about that is those people that just like want to see the world burn. (laughs) Yes. I I don't know. That one's a really interesting. And and bringing that up, what makes a book disturbing to you? Is it those kind of things, those people that make you know, that want to watch the world burn? Is it knowing that there's real people like that that live in this world? Is it psychological thrillers? Is it spiritual themes? Is it demons? I mean, what what makes it a scary book for you? I think it. a lot of times for me it will be a villain or an evil that I, I couldn't previously comprehend existing. And, and again, it's, it's just getting into that world and – and knowing that I can leave, but but some of it will stay with me. But it's all in my imagination, or, or, or how the the author intended that to be. But but some characters in some books do some things that I never thought. Oh wow, that's really bad. I never <laughs> thought that somebody could do that to somebody else before, or or do that to in their position of power. And and for me, uh, talking about dystopian books, that that gets to me more than anything is a, is a leader being being bad. And I think going back to the stand, that gets mm-hmm. that plays very well into our our thinking as members of society. I got a long list of things that can make a book scary, but because I'm a big old weenie, I think. But I, <laughs> I do um, I I agree with Brian in the way that something that truly makes you horrified is something that you had never before imagined that a human being is capable of and to me the uh, something that a human being is capable of is a lot scarier than anything supernatural i could probably be scared by a supernatural book but i i, I I doubt it. I don't know. That's not as scary to me as seeing like, you know, the the gutters that humanity can fall into. And like I said earlier about why I love dystopian um, novels, I love them, but part of the reason I love them is because of that feeling of discomfort that they give you. Um, I, I I like it whenever I close the book and think like, you know, I'm going to have to go change the world now. (laughs) But in that moment, whenever you're really seeing the depths that 
people can fall to. Um, and, and especially whenever it's on like an institutional level, um, it's not just one person, one villain. I think that adds another level of scariness to it um, because it starts to take on um, an uncontrollable aspect uh, like a virus, you know? Um, just one person messing with you isn't as scary as an epidemic. Like um, back to the stand. <laughs> yeah, right. Here we are, yeah. Which I think makes it one of the most, I mean, it's not, and I wouldn't say it's scary, but I think in the beginning when you're like, man, people are like not making it out of this. And then you have this good and evil and you have, you know, real people trying to make it and. Well, and, and early on when the when the virus spreads, um, and again, not giving away too much in the book, but I mean, how such a high percentage of the world's population goes early on in the book, that's not a spoiler, but just the way that everybody reacts in trying to save themselves mm -hmm. instead of trying to look out for each other, that... It's kind of scary. It's, it's scary. it's going to be that way. It, it, is, yeah. it is disappointing to us because we'd like to think that we'd you know, we'd rise above that, but in the end, screw you guys. Every man for himself, <laughs> yeah. Even, even books like, one of the books that's on this list that is another one of my all-time favorites that most people probably wouldn't look at and classify in this category, but I'm going to, is The Count of Monte Cristo. One of my favorite books ever. Um, and that one is definitely scary in not even at all a dystopian way, but in a reality way like it's very scary to think about yourself being imprisoned for years um, and to be falsely accused and you know all of these things that are like real fears that could happen to any one of us in this room if a, a certain series of events um, happened to us in our lives that's scary too Carly what scares you you know a little bit of all of it scares me I'm a huge fan of monsters I love anything with creepy creatures, and that doesn't necessarily scare me, but it just makes me kind of giddy. <laughs> I just love creatures. But like you guys have said, the thing that really scares me is how far into darkness humanity can go and what people will do to other people. Frightening. Is, is the adding to that, is the helplessness factor, does, does that amplify it for oh, you, do you think? Absolutely. For sure. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Like that book I talked about, Bird Box, they're very helpless. Very. Completely. In the dystopian world, I think like Brave New World and Anthem um, are a lot scarier than 1984 because there's a little bit less of kind of like the rose-colored glasses over them. In 1984, I feel like whenever you read that, you can feel that you know you have that hope that things are all going to turn out right in the end. Um, that you know somebody's going to come and save the day and change the world, or at least escape. But with a couple of the other ones, um, you get a lot less of that feeling, and that's that's spooky to me. And even like the uh, the Hunger Games mm -hmm. trilogy yeah. for, for for young readers. I mean that 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 feeling of yeah, we have a great heroine, but maybe things are not going to completely work out the way that we want them to for her. Mm -hmm. And speaking of children readers, the Giver is on the list. Oh, 
Another one of my absolute favorite books ever. Love The Giver. And the way that The Giver ends, I'm not even, I mean, if, if you haven't read The Giver by the time you're reading this podcast, I'm disappointed because, or listening to this podcast, that's like one of my favorites ever. And you can read it in a day as an adult. Um, but that one, the fact that it ends on a level of uncertainty and you can kind of take it in the way that you choose to take it. Um, I've talked to people, I'm gonna try not to you know, spoil things, but um, I've talked to people who perceive the ending of that book completely differently than another person. And I, I think that's a, a beautiful thing whenever you're reading something, but it's also scary. That's a crazy scary book for a, a child, particularly. You know, talking about scary children's book, have any of you read Coraline by Neil Gaiman? No, I've seen the movie. That the movie isn't scary. The book is scary. The movie I read it me. as an adult, and I wouldn't let my, my children read it after because it was too scary for them. Wow. It, it's, it's a, it's, ooh, I kind of want to read it now. <laughs> and it's it's short because it's a children's book, so it's it's a very short read. You can read it in an hour. Do you remember the first scary thing you ever read? Um, there is an author called Lois Duncan. I was a I was a um, I was a reader as a child, and I read more advanced than I should have or than my age and so then I ended up reading books that I maybe not should have read because I was an advanced reader and so when I was too young to read this author I read Lois Duncan and she was sort of kind of in the same vein as Christopher Pike or maybe even R.L. Stein, but not as silly as R.L. Stein gets because mm-hmm. it was her books are really scary uh, I thought so. <laughs> but there was a book called Stranger With My Face. That, that sounds, sounds scary. To me. I've heard of that. And I don't know if they've made it into a movie because I, I haven't seen it, but that book scared me so bad. And I read part of it to my five-year-old sister, and I got in so much trouble because my sister was so scared. She was crying and telling on me and I got in so much trouble for reading her that story and then mom said what are you reading I was you know on a, on a similar um, wavelength as a child where I read at a little bit higher level than some of my classmates and so every once in a while I'd get into some territory that wasn't quite appropriate for me um, definitely remember reading some adult themes that I kind of wished I wouldn't have um, but the first one that like really got me was that I read a Telltale Heart mm, yes Edgar Allan Poe um, that I that's definitely one where I laid awake at night thinking about um, and, and The Crow, right? The Raven. Raven. The Raven. The Raven. <sighs> yeah, it's been a long time. I think that, <laughs> <laughs> I think I was um, in elementary school or something whenever I read The Raven, and that was too scary for me, for sure. See, Poe was the first one for me, too. I was probably a freshman in high school when we had to memorize Annabelle Lee, and then I liked that and, and got into um, The Cask of Amontillado and the Telltale Heart and the Raven and all that. And then I think if I was a freshman doing that, by the time I was a sophomore, that was when I started reading Stephen King. So it mm-hmm. was Poe was the, the gateway drug. 
nice. yeah. to, to this type of stuff mm-hmm. for, for I think a lot of people really. Even though I didn't continue really, you know, seeking out the the spooky books to read, I did. I really do think that reading Poe really young was it was impactful to me. Um, it, it was impressive. I remember feeling um, like emotions that I hadn't ever felt reading stuff and that was fear um, but that was the first time that I'd really felt fear whenever I was reading something and but also was able to see like the beauty in it and how well it was written and it, it was impressive really effective with language yeah for sure do you guys remember scary stories to tell in the dark yes <laughs> the best illustrations ever and you're an artist, so that was probably yes. that was probably impactful to you. Absolutely, because yeah. I've been drawing since I was a child. Mm-hmm. I've, I've not always I've always been an artist, um, but yeah, scary stories to tell in the dark, and the stories are a little silly right. if you read them. But the as an adult, but the, the illustrations were, were yeah is horrifying. Such, such so if you just flip book. through it, you're like, ooh. We used to, you know, in school. <laughs> yeah. It was in our school library. Yeah. And so whoever checked it out, we would all go over to their desk and look through all the pictures because the pictures are just, you just cannot look away. It's like a train wreck. You can't <laughs> quit watching. They're just, they're gorgeous illustrations, but they're horrifying. So I know that you like creature books, yes. monster books. Yes. Um, do you like vampire books? You know, I do. I'm a big Anne Rice fan. So those aren't scary, though. Those aren't scary. Those are more epic and romantic. And there's some horror in there, but they, they're not scary. I, I've read one vampire book. Mm-hmm. And I read it in college. Twilight? This, nope, <laughs> I'm kidding. Nope, not Twilight. I've never read Twilight. Um, <laughs> and it I, is on the Great American Read list. So. <laughs> well, I, uh, I was in this Great Works of American Literature class. And we went and read all sorts of stuff like, you know, no, it wasn't it wasn't American literature. It's great works of literature. This one just happens to be American. Um, and most of them were typical books that you think you might read in a class like that, like uh, Canterbury Tales and stuff like that. But the very last one we read, he said specifically, this professor was great. And he's like, I picked this one up in an airport <laughs> um, and I read it on the plane. And now we're going to read it in this class because it's modern and it's trendy and it's kind of pop culture-y. Um, and it's called Slave of My Thirst. And I loved it. I thought it was crazy. Um, they like throw Jack the Ripper in there. There's lots of lesbian vampires. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> Carly is like, why have I never read this? Exactly. Why have I not, not heard it's this just, book? It's like flat out entertaining. You're going to have to write that one down for okay. me. Yeah. <laughs> You said you like Frankenstein, but what other monsters and creatures? You know, I'm an H.P. Lovecraft fan as well, so Cthulhu is like the ultimate monster ever. I'm a big Cthulhu fan. <laughs> what other... Um, Brian, you read a lot of stuff. What are your some of your favorite books that you've... I mean, are there other ones that you're not thinking of? Man... No, I, I was looking at the list and, and wondering why isn't this on there and and yeah, what's what's not on the list that you wish was? For, for this type of stuff, 
Um, the road is not on here, and I thought it would have been. I was very surprised that it was not on there. Um, especially because it's it's somewhat modern, and it certainly, I think, hit home for a lot of people. Um, and, and it's, again, really well-written and beautiful in its language. Man, I, I go through a lot of things, and I go through phases where I don't read a lot of fiction. I read biographies and, and, and nonfiction. But when I get into to fiction there's there's usually a stephen king book that came out and i I read the new one in like four days just because i was between classes and had to get back to a textbook but i mean i I find escape in in a lot of authors like that and then you know his son he has he has children and a wife who writes very well but i really love uh, his son joe hill's books i love nosferatu i wanted to mention joe hill i was waiting for the moment where i could mention joe hill he's one of my all-time favorite authors he writes horror with heart heart shaped box yes yeah heart shaped box is so much fun such a great such a great book for someone of my generation who listened to Heart Shape Box and so got that reference and the whole rock star vibe and everything of that book is just so fun and, and what, creepy. What, what was the, do you remember what the, the name of short stories of his is called? I There's one called Strange Weather. Okay. And, oh, I don't remember the other one. I can't one. remember the first but one. But Horns, of course. He wrote yes. Horns. Yeah. Horns was a hoot. Horns was so much fun. Such a fun book, but also terrifying. Yeah, it had heart as well. And, but and, it has and, heart, yes. Yeah, and, and characters that you care about. That's one of the things that I like about about this type of, besides the, uh, like we were talking about, the, the evil and the things that can really kind of frighten us, is a lot of these authors who do this are not afraid to give us characters that we care about and then have things that break our heart happen to them. If, if you want to read some, a story like that, read Strange Weather. There's, it's four stories based on each season. And I can't remember what the story that just broke my heart was called, but it's not supernatural. It's, and it has a lot, it's very political, but it will break your heart. I cried. I bawled after I read that story. Y'all are tougher than me. (laughs) So are these authors, because I don't even know how you can do it to a person. (laughs) No. How does this come out of their brains? But I just eat it up because I'm such a horror fanatic. (laughs) I literally, I love the darker side of books as well. And, Uh And when you see, when I saw that Gone Girl was on the list, I was really excited. But I'm trying to read, trying to broaden my horizon and read more of the books that are on the list. But you guys are making me want to go pick up a Joe Hill book really bad. So... It's really difficult. I have not read The Fireman <laughs> yet, and I really want to. Oh, it's and so good. It's it's so good. And talk about horrifying and dy- dystopian. I think you would enjoy it because okay. The Fireman. Yes. Okay. It's 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 got horror, but it is very sort of survival okay. in this in this dystopian world where people are spontaneously combusting. Oh, <laughs> okay. love that. Speaking of fire and dystopian, we haven't talked about Fahrenheit 451 at all. Mm. And that one is also really scary mm-hmm. in a dystopian way. Um, it's not one that, you know, you couldn't not let your child read or something. It's not that kind of scary, um, like most on my list. But, um, I mean, it's about censorship. And mm. that is really scary to it me. It is. And it did not make the list, right? It's not on the list. And we I was I'm very shocked. surprised by that. Fifty Shades of Grey beat it out. <laughs> and Twilight. Snark. Sorry, Ray. That was snark. Get to the back. <laughs> you know, if people can listen to, to 
we, we can't have guilty pleasures in our listening because I, I I agree with you know if, if you like something you know listen to whatever and I'm not going to judge you. I guess we have to be the same way for for books. It's, it's true. harder. Yeah. Okay, it's okay. much easier to be a book okay. snob. Oh my God, you haven't read any Stephen King. What's <laughs> I know, wrong with you? I know. Everybody's got their little place that they fall, but I do have trouble not being judgy on some of them. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Me too. <laughs> it's easy to get passionate about something and want to share. Have any of you had something that you uh, just had to share with somebody and they and they went, eh? <laughs> yes, it's offensive. <laughs> but, oh. you know, if I, if I do that, if I share something with somebody and they're like, eh, I'd try not to care that much. Okay. I don't recommend my books much because people are going to say, what are you reading, Carly? What are you reading? Crazy girl. No, I do, but I can't remember anything where it was where it was a bad response. Mostly people say, oh, Carly, that was really good. So, Well, I think all the ones that you told us to read, we're probably all going to go read those now. <laughs> yeah. They sound very, go read very them, good. And then you yeah. can, you'll see what a freak I am and what I put into my brain. <laughs> but we don't we tend to, to recommend books to, to people that we think we know anyway? Yes. yes. yeah, yes. Yes. It's very true. There's some yes. that, you know, kind of are a little bit more mid-range on my list. In fact, there was one that I wrote down um, to talk about at this specifically specifically because it has a nightmare in the title mm. um and i've recommended it to somebody before and they're like eh. and i kind of understand that one though it's not like one of my all-time favorites if i recommend one of my all-time favorites and somebody's like eh, i don't know for sure if we can be friends anymore well <laughs> i'm just kidding about that but. i do feel that way about neil gaiman because he is my all-time favorite author a lot of his stuff can go into horror, like Coraline and his short stories. A lot of his sh- short stories are very scary. And if someone that I rec- if I recommend him to someone and they don't like him, it it hurts. Yep. <laughs> I take it very personally. Well, because you relate personally with it, you start to um, if a story is good enough, you, it like becomes a little bit of a part of your identity. Well, plus we most of the time when we make time to to read those, we're we're in our beds, we're making you know. I can stay up 30 more minutes. Like I got I got to get some more of this in. <laughs> and that's you know that's the the bad thing about reading horror before you go to bed cuz it is going to you're going to have pennywise in your dreams all night, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm the I'm right be, before right before bed reader, so I get it. If my husband happens to be out of town, I can't read the scary. <laughs> Mine too. I'm I'm the same to, way. I I'm have like, to know he's going to be yeah. there when I go to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brian, who's going to save you? <laughs> Jill, help. Tough. Yeah, I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> and she reads a lot of the same stuff that I do as well. And um, she, what is the author's name um, uh, who wrote uh, She's Come Undone? And I know this much is true. Um, and, and she's introduced me to, to, to work like that, um, which is not horror not dystopian but i mean she she, we both formed a a friendship based around authors like stephen king but it's it's interesting how we how we share with our loved ones Mm -hmm. i mean and like i said she let me read the new stephen king first because i had to get back to a textbook but that's on her her list (laughs) that's love right there i made brandon read eleven twenty two sixty three. i mean he wanted to read it but i was like please this is it would mean a lot to me if you read this book um because there's moments in there that i'm like i just want to talk about this with somebody and that's the best part of reading with your loved ones well when i was a teenager my father and i shared 
at the, we read it at the same time. We passed it back and forth, and we each had our own bookmark. And it was Sphere by Michael Crichton, which is scary. That's a scary book. And that was such a special thing that we did because we, could, we kind of kept pace with each other, could talk about it, and it was awesome. And my husband's not a reader, so I don't really share with him, but I have daughters who are, have one adult daughter and then two teenage daughters. And so now I'm sort of recommending things to them and you know, and they're weirdos like me too. So they love, you know. They well, some of one of my daughters is like, no, I can't read the scary. But, <laughs> but my oldest, she just eats it up, and so she loves my recommendations. She's a big um, Joe Hill fan. I know Watchers is on the list by Dean Koontz, but mm. I really liked Intensity by Dean Koontz. I thought that was a really scary book, and I read it once, and then I tried to read it again, and I got to a point, and I was like, I don't know that I can do this right now. And it's an intense book. It's perfectly named. I it is. I like Dean Koontz, and I don't read him as much as I used to, and I don't want to critique him, but I, I, I found intensity to be really different than a lot of his works because much like something like Gerald's Game and Stephen King, it's like, holy cow, this, this monster is not um supernatural this mm-hmm. this is real this could be happening mm-hmm. and it's and you had a female scary. protagonist which was unlike most dean Koontz books which yeah. we've talked about i'm not a huge fan of dean Koontz, but i did enjoy his odd thomas series which were not really scary but they were very quirky and i enjoyed that quirkiness and a, and a really enjoyable protagonist yes absolutely and then the female lead in intensity, you just root for her right away mm-hmm. because she's so brave and immediately, without hesitation, yes, takes a leap of faith to, no, 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 I'm going to stop this evil right here, right now. But I've given up on Koontz, but I think I'll check that one out. You should. It's really, I think that's one of his better works. And it's not because one it's that gets mentioned him. a lot. Yeah, it's, it's unlike him. But for a long time, I was like, that's one of my favorite books. It was, it's, you know, and it's a quick read. Okay, completely, because I'm an old guy, and it happens. (laughs) But I remembered Wally Lamb is the name of the author who wrote Ah. I Know This Much Is True, which is about twin brothers who uh, are – one of them does an unspeakable act to protest the Iraq War. Really good book. And uh, She's Come Undone, which my wife recommended to me. Anyway. I'll check those out. Someday you'll be old. (laughs) Pop back into your head at weird times. Is there anything else you guys want to add? Any books that you want to recommend? Anything that we haven't talked about that you want to? I started talking about one and then went off on a tangent and didn't elaborate. (laughs) So I kind of feel compelled to do that. And it's called The Man Who Was Thursday. Has anybody read that? No. No. It's one that I don't think I've ever asked a person, have you read this? And they have responded with a yes. Um, But I don't think that it's, you know, completely unknown it's on list somewhere i'm sure um i think i picked it up in the classics section so it's somebody knows about it but it's uh the man who was thursday and not on all copies but on my copy it says the man who was thursday a nightmare and it's about this uh this weird underground anarchist um council and this uh these secret undercover detectives that are trying to infiltrate the anarchist council and there's like the grand leader of the council is named Sunday and there's all these 
twists where some of the people are who you thought they were and then some of them aren't and these weird chases through town and um, this one was was written in 1908 so it's pretty old but it's uh, it's a it's just this wild romp it feels like there's all these underlying meanings in this book about society and about anarchy and fear and all these different things and somebody asked um, G.K. Chesterton the writer about it and he said I told you guys it was a nightmare wow. so I, I nice. guess um, I, I still feel like I took a lot from it um, I still feel like there's some truth in some of the symbolism whether he meant there to be or not um, but apparently it's a, it's just a wild story about a nightmare but it, it's, it's a really unusual and interesting book I know most of the books we've talked about are standalone novels, but are there any horror series that you can think of that you like? I feel like most horror are kind of a standalone it's book. It's hard to do horror in a series because, like I said about the, the short stories, you know, you if when you add too much detail, it, it's not scary anymore. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, our imaginations are so much more powerful and scary than anything that can, we can see or read. I can't think of any. I really can't. You know, the, the Mayfair Witch series by Anne Rice, um, I feel like it has a lot more horror elements and feel than the Vampire Chronicles. Those are, it's very scary. Got any? I don't, I don't have any. I mean, I... I really can't think of any. I have not read any, and I, you know, I've, I've read sequels mm-hmm. you know there's, there's been a couple sequels that authors have created or collaborations the uh, the Stephen King and Peter Straub the two that they did were, were nice but yeah no uh, I, I can't think of any or why that works I mean it's because it's a way to to leave those characters in that place and would The Shining and Dr. Sleep be considered a series I would say that was a sequel I, I thought of it a as a sequel, sequel yeah okay. Oh, so good. I love Dr. Sleep, too. I haven't read it yet. <gasps> you and Sadie. I will. Get together will. and form you a Stephen there. King book club. <laughs> You've read a lot of them, though. I have. But, but I, have. I think... I've read a lot of his older stuff. Yeah. And that's where I tended to move on after I just ate up all his older stuff. So I need to revisit some of his newer stuff. And that's a whole other deal is is these these authors who get their books translated into another medium and no mm-hmm. no no that's not what was in my head that was yes that can be so frustrating it, 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 have you all seen ready player one in the theater i have not yes oh it was that was one of my favorite parts in ready player one was i'm actually about, about halfway through the book ready player one and have not seen the movie because i'm about halfway through talk the about a book that or the movie that didn't live up to the book. See, really? I, I reconciled myself with that. It's inspired by the That's book. That's true. And if that, you yes. don't, if you don't expect too much, and my daughter was the same way because when we watched the Harry Potter series, you don't know how much we had to deal with. That's not the way it was in the book. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. that's wrong. <laughs> and and after about the second one of those in Ready Player One, we both agreed that okay, it's well, just going to be different. I enjoyed the movie. I did enjoy the movie, but the book, the book was is just so wonderful. Such a fun ride for an '80s kid. Oh yeah. If you're of a certain generation, 
you will really, really love Ready Player One. It's so on my fun. list. So fun of things to read. Yeah, and the movie is is so different and mm-hmm. and so enhanced with the video game characters and everything else that I didn't get, but my eleven year old did. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So I am a little bit young to catch some of the '80s references in Ready Player One, but. I do want to say that I don't think that you're missing out, even mm, if you're good. not an 80s kid, because there's they they still do a good job of giving giving you context yes. for them. You know, he's not just making a bunch of inside jokes <laughs> about That's you good, know yeah. these pop culture references. Um, there's still context, and and even if there wasn't, I I, I think. He, he he does a good job of making it um, a, a good story regardless yes. well, from the half of the book that I've read. It falls into the dystopian as well. For sure. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's such a fun ride as, as a book. It really yeah. is. So the last thing that we like to do, I like to ask everyone, what is on the list that you want to win and what do you think will win for the American vote for the Great American Read? I I got to say, I don't know. I really don't. We have a very diverse culture here, and so there's there's no telling. But I think with our p- current political climate, um, 1984 is going to have a really good chance, and I love it, so I'm biased. Um, so that that might be that's the one that I would vote for, and I think it kind of has a pretty good chance. I know that sales of that book have dramatically increased over the last um, year and a half <laughs> or so. Um, I, I don't know. I think that's a that's a great pick, Carly. What do you think? I think To Kill a Mockingbird will win. I think that's kind of the ultimate American novel, and I I would pick Anne of Green Gables. Oh, that's a good one. No one said that. <laughs> I yet. love Anne of Green I Gables. I love Anne of Green Gables And too. I know that's so weird for this little horror person <laughs> to love that, but I do. I love Anne of Green Gables. Such a sweet story. Good pick, Brian. What do you? What do you think? Well, I hope that The Stand performs well just because I wish more people would love Stephen King for for the author that he is instead of being pigeonholed into this horror writer. Um, I know I'm going to get in trouble. I wouldn't have a problem if Harry Potter won because I just love the, the, the whole good versus evil and how it has, I mean, I love it. My my kids love it and everybody in between should read such a, a wonderful series of books. But... I, I'm with Carly. I think To Kill a Mockingbird is is timeless, and and to tie in with with what Sadie was talking about, it's still applicable yeah. today. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I hope it wins. I don't think that that having Harry Potter in the running is is anything to to sneeze at. I think it, I mean it's got a super super wide appeal. It does, and I, I like the, hearing that people are seeing it on this list. And so people that were not in the demographic to, of the right age to read that, you know, 60-year-olds, 80-year-olds, they're picking it up for the first time that have never even seen the movies and things like that, and they love them. So it does have a, a mass appeal. A list is always a way for, for some people to go, oh my gosh, why isn't this there? And how did how did Fifty Shades of Grey get on this thing? <laughs> but I get it. But it, it, the great thing is that it gets things like this going on or it encourage hey i never thought about reading this particular one mm-hmm. and now i make time you know for and it. we had the defenders of those books that came on too that talked about why they were important to them and why they enjoyed them and their fun reads and they're not to be taken seriously chip happens to love flowers in the attic a lot so oh, well you know 
there you go. And that could be disturbing and horrific if you want to look at it that way. B.C. Andrews, (laughs) definitely one of those guilty pleasures. For sure. (laughs) Well, thank you all so much for being here. We really enjoyed having you. I love talking about this stuff. And, you know, I'm with you guys. I like the darker side of books sometimes. So thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Read and vote for your favorite books. Visit panhandlepbs.org for more on The Great American Read and The Great Panhandle Read, our parallel Texas Panhandle voting effort. Special thanks to The Mag 7 for providing our music, Colin Lutz, Scotty Vanderford, and Stevie Brashears for designing our really cool logo. Make sure you hit subscribe wherever you may be listening.